this is Carrie Miles, and welcome to the Art of Type 2 Fun Podcast. Let the adventure begin. Hi, and welcome back. We are doing take two or part two of Big Lonely Recap with Deanne Garcia and Elisa Richmond. We went through tons of stuff in our last episode, so make sure to check that out if you haven't already. We've covered kind of their rundown of the race, the start day, the preparation, any body aches, ailments, that type of thing that went into preparing for this adventure race. And so now we're going to continue. We're going to cover food. We're going to cover teamwork, adventure buddy, all that good stuff. And so stay tuned and get ready for some more Big Lonely action. We've covered so much. So let's actually tell anything about the food, like your stomach. I mean, that's the last discomfort that you guys have mentioned. Like, what happens? So winners were sweet potatoes. So like the first day, I just boiled some sweet potatoes the night before, and I ate those, and Elisa had some too on that first day. They really weren't going to last for three days out there. I really wished I'd had some on the last day because they go down really easy, and they have a lot of great calories in it. The general thing, though, is just that by the third day, like I think both of us, when we woke up in the morning on the third day, we couldn't put food down. So we had a really light breakfast, and that put us behind. And so that whole last day was like playing catch up. And neither of us wanted to be getting pushed to the point of puking. So we were eating less to avoid vomit comet. So well, or, those, or those gels you had that like went straight through your stomach. Martin. Martin. I swear by them right now. Yeah. That's like the one uh, thing that you can get down when you feel like you can't yep. get anything else down. It bypasses stomach. Yep. And they carry more, more grams per like thing of pure carb that, that like, so your body can absorb it faster with like less mass of product or whatever. That was a whole yeah. description. Anyway, the, Deanne, did you try one? Yeah. Elisa yeah. luckily gave me one at about, I don't know, four o'clock in the morning on the last okay. day when I was like, I'm bonking so hard and I can't put any food in. Totally. Yeah. So the texture is something to behold. I'll tell you what, like, Double the first, yeah, have oh, you had a crab party? <laughs> yeah, it's like almost a jello shot, but then you're like, I have to bite this kind of, but then like not. But then what I love is that it just goes down and there's none of the sticky residue and then it doesn't make my stomach go weird at all. And it's like instant, I feel okay. It's like a jello shot. And I was like, I don't really understand how it could possibly be a jello shot. And then I ate one and I was like, that is a jello shot. Yeah. yeah. So what kinds of things did you have that you thought you would like that didn't really work for you? I had a lot of just candy thinking like, I think I can eat candy. And I just like, cannot eat sugar anymore. I just had yeah. to not have sugar. And I got, and I was kind of able to get like gummy bears and gummy worms in, but but I brought like a Snickers bar. I brought some chocolate, some M&Ms, and I just, I could not handle the sugar anymore. The thing that kind of saved me when I was feeling nauseous was I I had tailwind that I put in my water bottle. And so at least I was getting some electrolyte and calories through that. And I just, I would just take small sips. And it was, definitely wasn't enough calories, but it was something. Yeah. And, and it was hydration as well. Liquid hydration, I think, was super key. I wished I'd had a couple more tailwinds on the last day, but. Part of it too is that we just, 
didn't actually plan to be riding our bikes on Monday. Always in previous bike tours, it's like you can always get a Snickers bar down, if nothing else. And I had several of them that I never, I just couldn't even imagine putting in my mouth on the last day. What was the temperature? Do you think that had something to do with it? Or like during the day, was it warm? Well, for the first day, it was warm. It was really warm, actually. So that probably contributed to our hydration status. I mean, also that affects how well your stomach can digest, you know what I mean? And so like if you're, if you're depleted, it's like once you kind of pass that point of your body's like shut down. No, (laughs) you know, I was way behind on water on the last day Um, and we made a couple of bad decisions. So Jesse that, that organizes the race, he had put a neutral water drop out at about mile 260 something. Um, because there was no water for mile 200 to 300. So he had put some water out and I wish I had filled more because what I didn't anticipate was how long it would take us to do the next 40 miles. That was the slowest part of of the entire ride. I think it's right when the washboard got bad and the grade got a little steeper and the headwind got worse and I went through all my water. And then uh, we were also like, not making great decisions. I think when we were at the lake, we were looking around everywhere for a spigot and couldn't find one. So we had to filter out of the lake and it was dark. It was like almost 10 PM and I should have filled my bottles. But instead I was like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'll just fill my filter and use it if I need it. And like, yeah, I needed it because it took us seven more hours to finish. And I had like two liters of water. And that was not enough. It's tired brain. Yeah. <laughs> the next adventure, don't let anybody not fill their waters. I don't care how happy it is going up the hill. Dan, what was your what was your water capacity? So I had two one liter bottles plus most of a liter bottle. And then I also had a one liter filter bag. And then I had a two liter bladder that was for my emergency only bladder. And I had thought before we learned about the water drop that was happening on the third day, I had been planning to fill that and carry that. So then I would have had one, two, three, four, five and a half. But I basically was carrying three at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have water anxiety. So I, I pretty much was yeah. carrying every time I would fill up, I'd fill up like five liters, except for like maybe the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I had like five liters and then I had the capacity to have another three liters of net if needed. And that was in my filter, but I never filled that up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, complete your journey. You mentioned, so you're trying to do it in three days and that didn't go as planned because of all the things and the train and, you know, all that stuff. So what did you guys end up doing? Where did you spend your last night? And like, what was the last day like? Like, what time did you get going in the morning? That kind of thing. Our last day, we'd kind of had a loose plan that we were going to get up at 3 a.m. and start riding, but we'd gotten into town just about an hour later than we'd expected, and then it just took a little bit more to get to bed that night. So we decided to sleep until 4.30, I think. I think we were on our bikes at 5. So if things had gone according to plan, we still would have finished around 1 a.m. So we were still counting on just sort of riding through. Mm-hmm. But what actually happened was that 
we hit the high point of the race at 9 p.m. And then we were down a really steep, long, long descent to the bank of Polina Lake, where we wasted like an hour trying to deal with water. And also it was insanely cold at the lake. Wow. So we get to the lake and we like throw all of our clothes on and then we're doing water stuff. And in in that hour or so, plus the descent down below, I think my legs froze up a little bit. So we started to climb out from the lake at a, around 10 and made it 500 yards before I called it. We just flopped down basically on the side. Like there was another little climb. So we're like, this might be the flattest place we can find. So we flopped down like two feet off the trail on a flat-ish spot. Um, We both ended up outside our fly. Like our feet were down (laughs) after a couple hours. And that was with about 45 miles to go. If fire alarms for 1.30, I think. Got in the ten around ten, maybe the goal was to try to sleep for like three hours. I think maybe slept for like maybe two hours, maybe. Set the alarm for one thirty. I think we were on the trail by two. Yep. And it was just like a climb out back up to the other side, the other rim of Polina, and then all downhill from there, which is false. False. <laughs> there are these sections. It's a really fun. I've done the trail before and I remember there being some hike a bike, but you just don't remember that. You just think yeah. like, it's like long, epic downhill. But you'd get to these sections and there are just these just painful hike-a-bike wall that you're just like pushing yeah. your bike up and over. And it's like, there's multiple of them. And it just slows you down. It doesn't even like, it's where, you know, the Garmin is supposed to show you. It, was, it wasn't even red on the Garmin. It's like, oh, you have like 2,000 feet of climbing left. And you oh, yes. Climb up like a 300 foot wall, and then it would still say you have 2,000 feet of climbing left. It's all lines. It's I mean, all lines. Was that the the rocks in that area, like most of the volcanic areas of Oregon, are basalt, and they're really yeah. heavy rocks, and they're very predictable when you hit them. Well, yeah. the backside of Polina is pumice, so oh. you hit those rocks, and they are really unpredictable, and they fly all over the place. Yeah. So it was really nerve wracking for it to be three o'clock in the morning, 315 miles into a 350 mile race on a rigid bike or just running on headlamps and lamps on the bikes. I think we averaged four miles an hour downhill in that section. We had thought penciling in and we were like, oh, that last 50 miles, we're going to go 10 miles an hour. It's all downhill. Yeah. Oh. So how long did it take? It took seven hours. Seven hours. Okay. Seven hours to last like 40 miles. (laughs) And then it's like rollers for 13 miles back to Bend, which each of them just felt like a punch in the face. It was like Monday morning traffic. Then the best part is that the the race finishes on top of Pilot Butte, which is like a volcano inside Bend proper in the city. And so here we are in our granny gears going up this like 400 foot climb to the top, going super slow. And there are these people out walking their dogs in the morning, you know, having this nice little walk. And here we are like, just like totally ragged bike packers. just look like, like totally tired. It's like granny gearing it to the top, super slow. 
And all these people are like, oh, you guys are doing so great. And we're like, you don't even know what we've been through. <laughs> it's literally been uphill both ways. You don't even know. I mean, I was definitely dot watching. And I was just, I knew because when I was there, Eliza, you know, we pointed out, oh, the race comes over here. And then we have to ride this ring road all the way into town. And I know the view. And so when I saw you guys were on that portion, I was like, oh, they're hating life right now. And we're like winding up and it's going like so slow. Like, <laughs> and Carrie, you texted us literally as we rounded the corner to the That's finish amazing. line. I want to say, I want to say someone, I don't know, maybe it was you or someone else texted us. It's all downhill from there. And I think that text came through in my AirPods, like as I was hiking up a section, I was <laughs> like, it is not. I'm hiking my bike up a hill right now. <laughs> you told us to send jokes. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was not a funny joke. <laughs> it sounds like such an epic adventure. I sort of want to try it sometime. I, I kind of want to do it again next year. I'm going to make some changes. Use yeah. the suspension fork. Yeah. I think now that I've done it with as a team and I know what it's like, I think yeah. I've always been kind of fearful of riding alone. And I think that maybe this would be a good one now that I'm familiar with it. And I know that like there's sure. other people out there, but we'll see. It will. It's a lot of, a lot of commitment to, to commit to that, you know, and train for that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. For me, that's the part that will probably stop me from doing many more of these races is it sure. really was a year of commitment to be ready for it. And it's just hard to maintain that. Yeah. Especially when, I mean, we love to do all the things. And so it's hard because also, you know, Dan, your partner, he also loves to adventure. So there's stuff you want to do with him. And Eliza has people in her life as well. But, but would you guys say that now that you've experienced like a race type setting, two things, do you prefer just the adventure ride or do you prefer do you think you actually really enjoy the racing or is it just two completely different experiences do you think it was a lot different of a commitment level than if you were just like out riding this ride or any other ride like what's the difference oh yeah well i don't think we would do a tour riding 100 miles a day 10,000 feet of elevation gain like i just don't think that ever happens i mean that's not the point of having a tour and going backpacking and having an adventure like even when we did the colorado trail carry like we still were sleeping seven hours a night and we would have time at camp in the morning time at camp in the evening you know and even though it was hard it was still a tour yeah but this is yeah totally different like trying to go fast trying to minimize your weight like making all these sacrifices yeah it's just different i think One thing I really loved about it is I'm insanely fit and it feels really good. And I did a lot of rides this summer that I would not normally be able to complete. Like one day I decided I was going to ride the C to C route, which is a bikepacking route that a lot of people do in two days. And I decided I was going to ride the whole thing, both directions in one day. So I rode 112 miles and I just like got on my bike and did it. And there's no way that without this race, as a carrot or as like, you know, a driving force behind it, I would never have been fit enough to just decide one day I was going to do that. Right. Um, so that's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's, 
every time we've done a big thing like that, like the three of us, we all did the Oregon Timber Trail together. <laughs> and my level of fitness at the end of that, I just felt amazing. Like I'm superwoman and I wanted to keep it. And it's too hard to keep that. Like just maintaining that, especially through an Oregon winter is next to impossible. Yeah. So yeah. there's definitely part of me that's like, what, like what is going to keep me that fit? next time because I want to live my life being that fit but without me having to sacrifice everything else in my life to do it (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's like sustainability so my problem that happens sometimes is when I do these big things I'm so exhausted afterwards that then I don't ride for x amount of time and I'm eating all the things and then all of a sudden it's been like three weeks or two weeks before I've gotten another good workout in and I'm just commuting like to the coffee shop So that's the thing for me is like trying to find that balance between really pushing yourself and having these goals or, you know, maybe these once or twice a year, whatever they are, but also having your fun times enough that figuring out ways to push yourself, but not to the brink of exhaustion, but still getting that like fitness and having the mojo to want to do it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm freaking out a little bit right now just with my hand injury. I can't ride a bike. And it's been nine days or whatever since we finished and I'm now at the point where I'm like I want to go ride I'm ready to go ride but I can't I can't go climbing I can't really lift weights so I think I'm gonna start swimming again as a way of zine just triage here maybe that's something I can do without hurting my hand but I guess that's the flip side is when you push your body to the limit like this you're you're setting yourself up for the potential of literally not being able to continue to push it because you break something Yeah, but, you know, on the side, it's probably good, though, that we're giving our bodies a break anyways. And yeah, we're losing some fitness, but we're not losing all the fitness. Which is important. The rest and recovery is just as important. And your mental and all that stuff to come back to it fresh. And like Elisa said, you're now losing all the fitness, even though it seems like you are. And, you know, don't freak out. It's just to say that Elisa is like on her way to Nepal to hike the Annapurna oh, yeah. circuit. So she's going to maintain some fitness. <laughs> Different kind of fitness. So Lisa is going tomorrow. Tomorrow. On a big adventure. That's very exciting. Do you have, while we're on you, do you have any other bike goals for this year, the beginning of next year, or anything like that? I'm doing, I'm not bike. I'm doing the Birkebiner again. Cross-country ski race, and that's in February. Right. And actually, well, I do make my yearly trip to to Phoenix to ride with you yes. guys. So probably March, you'll see me like like last year. Perfect. And Deanne, what about you? Do you have any goals? or? I have a couple things I'm planning for next year that are less hardcore. I'm going to do the white rim, but I'm not doing it fast. And I'm doing it with some first-time bikepackers. My friends I'm doing that with have never done a bikepacking trip. And I like the idea of being able oh, to facilitate that. <laughs> Sharing the love. Spreading the love. And then I am loosely planning to head to Nepal next all to do an enduro mountain biking trip on the Thompson Muktanath area. Okay. With World Ride. I'm not planning anything that's going to like push my body's limits next year. I want to learn to surf and I want to like more time swimming in lakes and doing things like that. So since I was so focused this year, next year I want to do the opposite and be like super scatterbrained and do everything. Perfect. That's my year this year. <laughs> Running and rock climbing and whatever else I'm trying to do, baking and 
<laughs> well, is there anything else you want to add? Any tips? I'm just glad I did it. And I'm proud I finished. Mm-hmm. Hey. I'm proud I finished. I'm proud Deanne. I got to do it with Deanne. Um, I couldn't think of a better partner. And I'm very grateful Aww. that we had the experience together. I think everything just went so well, as well as it could possibly go. And I'm very grateful for that. You know, more promoters should do duos because that was a huge plus to just trying this out. I think the barrier, if if either of us had tried to do this alone, it would have been so much harder to just make that first trip. And I mean, obviously there's people who do it, but this was a much easier entry point. And I think it should be something that's embraced a little bit more. So how many duo teams were there? Three. Well, there were two duos and then there was a triple. The triple only finished as a single. So that didn't really count. We were the first and only team that finished. And then only three women finished. We were just three hours behind Cassidy, who was the only female. So big props to her because she didn't sleep and she just kept moving the whole time. Yeah, Yeah, very, very impressive. That's cool. Yeah, ladies. A little bit interesting is this year, also the week after we did it, they did the Big Lonely backward as a just a test sort of race. And three people started. Two of them quit within the first 25 miles because it snowed. So <laughs> like we got off Polina Peak and 24 hours later, it was snowing up there. So, yeah. That's me. Yeah. We'll see what happens with that. Yep. Well, thank you both for your time. Really appreciate it. Do other of you guys do socials that are public? Sure. I'm DC Garcia. Yeah. On Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Azila22. Azila with one L or two, one Z or two. It's my name, Aliza, but the L and the Z are reversed. So (laughs) Azila22. It's one L. Yeah. My last tip is get yourself some crazy ass friends who will do all our crazy ass things together. Love it. Well, yeah. on that note, then we'll sign out. So, signing yeah. out. Bye. <laughs> oh my goodness. I am so glad that I was able to meet with those two. They are just fantastic ladies and fantastic adventure buddies. And I am sure that we will be hearing more from them along the journey of this podcast. I hope you enjoyed as well. If you did, please make sure to share this episode or the show with a friend. You can also catch us on the Art of Type 2 Fun. Everything's spelled out except the number two is the number two on Instagram. And if there are any people you want to hear from on this podcast or questions that you want answered, either from myself or from others, as I continue to have guests on to share in this experience, feel free to drop me a message. I'd love to hear from y'all. With that, take care and signing out.